I have some guests with us this morning, um, uh, Paul and Terry McGinty, and, and um, I'm sorry, um, Paul and Terry uh, McGinty, and um, uh, Ian and Connie McWiggin, uh, just amazing friends of um, Melinda and I, and, and it's, it, I'm always a little bit nervous when I'm preaching, but when I'm preaching in front of people that I respect as much as I respect them, I, I'm a little bit nervous this morning, <laughs> but I've asked Ian um, if he would uh, come and just kind of open us with a scripture reading and a prayer. Uh, Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, we're going to read through uh, 1 through 12, in uh, Luke chapter 12. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another... He began to say to his his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed his authority, to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more value the many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who has acknowledged me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, Do not be anxious about how you shall defend yourself or what you'll say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Bow with me, please. Uh, Father, we uh, first of all want to give you thanks uh, for bringing us together today as your people. Uh, We're thankful that we don't come together alone, that multiple millions all over this globe bow their knee to you today, and we want to Uh, We want to join them in that. We want to acknowledge that you are the Almighty, that you have sent Christ into the world, that we've been reminded again today of his great work on the cross. And we purpose, uh, as your people, corporately and individually, to exalt Christ in everything we do. And we pray for your help to do that. We cannot do this work without your, your power, you know the opposition we have in this, not only in this country, but all over the world. So we pray, Father, that you empower your people, that you uh, give us uh, all of the strength we need, that you defeat uh, our enemies in the heavenly realms, uh, that you crush the devil under our feet and you drive him away. In the name of Christ, we pray this. And we want to pray now, Father, that you exalt Christ through Jeff 
that you lift up your son. Help us to marvel at him and his great work in this world. Again, we want to thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the grace that you've given us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This journey through the book of Luke has, has been uh, really special for me, and we are almost exactly halfway through. Um, and we have this verse that's up on the wall that I haven't really haven't mentioned yet, but it's going to be in the middle of this chapter. And I get a couple of things are going to really help you with the book of Luke. This is going to be an, a, a really easy memory verse for you. Um, where the, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just remember 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, this is Luke chapter 12, verse 34. Um, it's the very middle of the book, so the, the book has 24 chapters, and so this verse is kind of embedded right in the middle of all of that. I also think it's the most um, appropriate verse thematically uh, for this study, and that's why I kind of chose it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is going to focus um, intently on our heart, on our mind, on our thoughts, on what's on the inside. And everything so far in the book, there has been so much of the theme has been Jesus and his gentle hand, how he reached out and he, he showed compassion and he felt the touch of desperation. We said he, he, he looked to people that were desperate in need, the people that were overlooked by society. When a woman comes and washes his feet, he says, do you see this woman? Do you recognize her? And his hand of compassion has been demonstrated in every chapter, but in these two chapters in particular, and kind of what's ahead, we switch gears and it's very difficult because you're seeing a very, very different face of Christ in these chapters. He turns to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and he says some very harsh things in chapters 11 and 12. He turned to these people that are the respected teachers. We talked about it last week, and he, he, he uses the example of a dish And he says, you're so concerned about what's on the outside of this dish. But that's not what you drink out of. You're so concerned about the outside of the dish. And you pay no attention to the filth that is inside of you. And you are a vessel. Hold on. You are a vessel of God's word to people. And you have corrupted it by what's in your heart and what's on the inside. He gets a little harsher later in chapter 11, and he says this. After he says, you're an unwashed dish, he says, you're an unmarked grave, full of death. And unmarked, why? Because that's invisible to the, to the eye. All the people see is, these are educated people. They know scripture well. They have a handle on the word. Everything that's visible, they've got unlocked. But Jesus says, you're an unmarked tomb. You're full of death. And, and you can imagine the anger welling up in their heart. And he closes the chapter. How about verse 52 of chapter 11? This is what he says. Woe to you, experts on the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those and you've hindered those um, who were entering. He tells the experts of the law, you have taken away the key of knowledge. And I was thinking, wow, it just seems to keep getting harsher and harsher because these are the people who are the experts who should be, should have, if anybody, the key to knowledge. And it hit me, I mean, I hate it when this happens, but it happens a lot. It hit me maybe three minutes before I stood up here, what verse verses he must be referencing right now. That they knew, the teachers of the law knew, he was probably referencing this. Psalm 111, 
Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The key to knowledge, the key to wisdom, both in the Old Testament is the fear of the Lord, and that's what he's going to discuss in chapter 12, the fear of the Lord. So this theme kind of sandwiches this verse. He says this, you have no fear of God in you. You don't recognize him. You don't stand before God. You stand before men. You're trying to impress men. You are not trying to impress God. Paul says in Galatians 1.10, when he's just on fire, he says, if I were still trying to please men, I would no longer be a bondservant of Christ." I try to do that, basically he's saying this, as Saul, I try to do that most of my life. I stood before men, I impressed men, I had so much. And if I were still trying to do that, I would no longer be his servant. I mean, I wonder if you, um, uh, how many of y'all got hit, just with a show of hands, I'm curious, how many of y'all got hit by hail a couple nights ago? It got got a pretty good, about half of us. Um, It was, it was, wow, we got some good hail at my house. My awning just got shredded, my dog tried to run out in it. And I had to grab him, and he didn't know why I was so angry, but I had to grab him because there's no fear in my dog of what's out there. But it would have killed him. It was so bad. And and I was standing out just before the storm, and I didn't realize it was going to be a hailstorm, but I just saw this thunderhead, and it just went up forever. Power, lightning in it. It was incredible. And there's this huge tree that over kind of shadows my house in my neighbor's yard, and it was just being tossed back and forth by the wind. And I was just standing there thinking, man, God, you are powerful. And on Sundays, I stand before people. And I, and I want to do well. And, 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 and I want to have a message that's biblical. And I want to have a message that's relevant. And I, I think so much about little details about what's going to happen. Even this morning, I got dressed. I was all ready to go. I'm heading out the door and my new puppy jumps up on me with his muddy paws and I'm covered in mud. I mean, my shirt, everything was covered in mud. I had to go back and change clothes because I don't want to appear before you muddy. Uh, I should have just worn that for my illustration. But, but I think I'm standing before God. Standing before His presence. He weighs the heart. He sees what's on the inside. Now, I want to I read to you um, some lyrics from a song that came out um, uh, some time ago by Holly Dunn. It's called Daddy's Hands. I'm just going to read you some of these lyrics. And I was thinking about God. I remember Daddy's hands folded silently in prayer and reaching out to hold me when I had a nightmare. You could read, a quiet, uh, read quite a story in the calluses and lines, years of work and worry, had left their mark behind. I remember daddy's hands, how they held my mama tight and patted my back for something done right. There are things that I'd forgotten that I loved about the man, but I'll always remember the love in daddy's hands. Daddy's hands were soft and kind when I was crying. Daddy's hands were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. Daddy's hands were always gentle, weren't always gentle, but I've come to understand there was always love in daddy's hands. I was thinking about those lyrics um, and these chapters that we're in, chapters 11 and 12, because this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. He's showing compassion. But when he turns to the teachers of the law and those people who had grown callous in their heart, he saw it. And he says some very, very harsh and very firm things in in these chapters. Um, 
want to read Proverbs 4, 20 through 25 before I get into our text in Luke 12. And then I want to kind of open us with a prayer. And I want to ask you, together with me, let's just come before God and present our hearts to Him. Because this, this message this morning has everything to do with exposing our hearts before a very holy God. Uh, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above everything else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Uh, my Father, I, I want to... Um, I, pre- I present myself and I present my family before you and, and I pray, God, that um, collectively as your sons and your daughters we would sit at your feet. Um, our thoughts, our ways, our attitudes, everything is exposed before you all the time. And I pray, Father, that as dishes that, that we, we want to serve in your kingdom, I pray that you would cleanse us, that you would wash us from the inside out, um, God, that, that regardless of how we appear before man, before you, I pray that we would be presented as holy. I pray, Father, that you would, um, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, Father, David's prayer, that you would wash us and that we would be, that you'd cleanse us with hyssop, that we would be white. Um, and I pray, Father, that we would, we would continually think of ourselves as before you. Um, it's in Christ we come before you. Amen. I had a, I had a young girl come to me um, one time. This has actually happened several times, but one time in particular um, meant a lot to me. Um, she, uh, she was one of the stronger leaders in my youth group, and she was doing acts of service constantly, both publicly and privately. Um, secretive acts, everything. It was just, she was such a beautiful person for me to watch. And she has always been a great inspiration in my life. Um, and she came to me one time and she said, I really need to talk to you. And we were sitting out in my car and she just broke down crying. And she said, I want to learn to love God. I want to want Him. I want to desire God. I desperately want to learn how to, how do I love Him? And she's crying. And I mean broken because she wants so desperately to love God. And I'm thinking, man, if I could learn to cry like you're crying about this. And I'm sitting here looking at her going, I promise you, you love God. Indifference doesn't bring tears. And that passion that was like, regardless of what people see in me, this is what she was saying essentially, regardless of what people see in me, regardless of the, the, you know, how people might elevate me in their minds, I live my life before God and I want to know that I love Him. And I want, I, I need that in my heart to know that I'm, I'm opening up before Him and I'm presenting myself before this God. That attitude, I'm I'm begging God to have that attitude in my life daily. And your battle against sin, your knowledge of God's word is important, but it's not the key to knowledge. 
The key to knowledge is the fear of the Lord. This is how Jesus, this is, this is the situation in Luke 12, 1. That's a crowd of many thousands. They've gathered so that they were trampling on one another. Now remember through this study, we've come back and touched this theme, how the development of the crowds is actually kind of a motif. It's a theme in the book of Luke. And at this point, we've got something that the language seems to reflect tens of thousands of people that are trampling on one another. And Jesus began to speak first to his disciples saying, be on your guard. Now, he's, this is the first time he's going to say this in this chapter. He's going to say it again. Be on your guard. Watch. Right? Um, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. You know, kind of like unmarked tombs, yeast is the same idea. Yeast is invisible. It's something that is, is in you, and it puffs you up with stuff that's not substantial. It's just air. It's something that's invisible. It's inside of you, and it can spread in a body. It can spread in a people. The idea uh, that, that, you know, I've seen this from church to church. I've seen this from community to community that I've gone in. That sometimes the people that you surround yourself with, for some reason, attitudes, mindsets, language, behavior can become acceptable because of the group of people you're in. The room of people that you're in, where if you were in another place, you would recognize, wow, that's ugly. Wow, that's hideous. I can't believe I'm speaking that way. And I've seen that happen to me over and over again, that I conform to something, and there's something invisible. There's something that's dark in a culture and the way we can talk and the way we can act that is unacceptable before God. So he says, first, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. They're everything on the outside, but they're inside. There is no fear of the Lord. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. This sounds so much like Nathan's prophecy to David, by the way, after his, his um, adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, what you have, have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you've whispered in the ear and the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that can do no more. I'll tell you whom you should fear. Fear him who after killing the killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yeah, I tell you, fear him. Now, these are the kinds of verses you're not supposed to preach on anymore. And I know that, okay? (laughs) But it's still here. And it's just as weighty and it's more powerful than ever. I'm standing here before God and he's saying this. You're so concerned with what people think. You're scared of what they'll do to you. But I am God. And I have the power. I breathe your life into existence and I can snatch it from your chest. You stand before me. And I think about how relevant this is to my life and to my world. That as much as I have spoken on this topic of when I preach, I think of God there on his throne. When I'm sitting at coffee with somebody, I'm thinking God is on his throne right now watching me. My attitude, my language, the way I'm speaking about this person. Honor them as God's son. Honor them as God's daughter. He is looking at your heart right now. He says this um, later in the chapter, verse 15, again, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Look at both things that he said to be on guard of in in this chapter. 
Be on guard against hypocrisy. Be on guard against greed. Both things no one else can really see in you. They might be able to see the fruits, but they can't really see your heart. And he said, you're, you're exposed before God and he sees what's in your heart. Is there greed there? Is there hypocrisy there? And I want you to stand guard over this. Why? Because it's the beginning of knowledge. You know, there's two rules I wish I would have learned when I was younger. And I wish I could somehow put into practice today. The first one is this. When I was taught how to do Bible studies with people, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit in a second, I was taught certain verses that I was supposed to go to, how to go from this chapter to this chapter and and to guide them through a study that would take them to baptism or, or something. You know what I wasn't taught to do when I studied with people? I was never taught to listen. And I was like, man, that's probably the first thing we need to do when you're sitting down with somebody is listen. The second thing is, Knowledge in the way you study the Bible. I was taught to identify a pericope. I was taught to, to study it on your own, to study the language before you go into any commentaries, go into that later, all these different things. You know what I don't remember being taught? Fear God. This is his word. Put yourself at its feet. Open up your heart and say, God, I'm ready to conform to whatever you say. That's something I need to remember when I'm sitting at the feet of his word. Um, the fear of the Lord. It says in Galatians 1.10, we touched on this a second ago, I'm not trying to win the approval of men or of God. Am I, if I was still trying to please men, I would no longer be a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Um, I've been super excited to share a story with you this morning uh, that, that really does relate to all of this. Um, I have been, this has been one of the greatest weeks um, that I can remember in a long, long, long time. Um, just because of something that happened um, a few nights ago. Uh, It was in the middle of the night, and I got a friend request on Facebook. And I uh, was going to delete it immediately because I thought it was one of those fake Facebook friend requests because I don't know the person. Um, And it was a a Russian person. Um, I can't read Russian, but the first word says Veronica. Um, and if, I, if anybody in here speaks Russian, by the way, I desperately need to talk to you later. <laughs> but I just get this text as soon as I accepted the fr- Facebook request because I'm thinking, I'm going to delete this person, but nothing about the account looks suspicious. And so it said, hello, Jeff. I'm so glad to see your dear face. And you can see my response here. <laughs> Thanks for contacting. I feel bad for asking, but you have to remind me how I know you. What I'm really saying here is, I have no clue who you are, and you have the wrong Jeff Dunn, I'm pretty sure. And she responds by sending me this picture. And she doesn't say anything, she just sends me a picture. And that's the picture she sends. (laughs) And I can't tell you what that picture means to me. Um, When I was 18 years old, I was blessed to go on a mission trip to Russia, uh, to Chelyabinsk and Lebedovka, Russia. I'm a young man who has no idea what he's doing as far as studying the Bible. This trip was the work of a a woman named Ramona Pinnock. I'm going to be emotional this morning. (laughs) That's never happened before. But this uh, trip was put together by Ramona Pinnock. She passed away from lung, ca- um, lung cancer um, years ago. But she had a pen pal in Lebedovka, 
and somehow arranged it that we, a group of, um, I can't remember if it was 10 or 12 of us, went to Russia, and um, I stayed with a man named Pavel and his wife, Ludmila. And he's the first person I've ever studied with in my life, studied the Bible with in my life, and I didn't know what I was doing. And his English was very, uh, it was really honestly very poor. And he made me stay up all night translating Queen songs. The, the trick to this, this trip is they didn't know it was a mission trip. There is not a Christian in that town, in that village, even in the surrounding area of, of, of Chelyabinsk at the time and, and Magnetogorsk, that area. We were going as Americans to go visit and, and find out about their way of life, but we were on a mission. Uh, Ramona... Um, her good friend that they had been pen pals was very angry about that. She didn't speak to anybody for two days because she didn't want a mission trip. She just wanted to talk about American life, American culture. The guy I was staying with didn't want Bible studies. He wanted me to translate Queen songs. And um, every night, and so this is like as much a mission trip as a mission trip can be. We're not helping a church. There is no church. And we went into the homes and... um, all I had was this Bible, and I still have my copy of it, and it has um, the Russian on one side, and it has the English on the other, and um, I would stay up trying to study the Bible with Pavel, and um, we uh, worked with the people there for over a month, about a month, and um, we didn't make any impact at all. Um, it was really just an exchange of culture. Until the very end, um, I was in a Bible study with a young girl that came over, and her father was, um, he was committing suicide while we were in our Bible study. And um, it was a very dark time. It was very terrifying for me. And um, afterwards, we were talking about what it meant to really bury your life and give it to Christ. And Pavel... um, Pavel sat down with me and he said, I want to be baptized into Christ. And he was baptized and his wife, Ludmila, was baptized. And um, several other people in the coming weeks were baptized into Christ and a church was formed in Lebedovka. Uh, We did exactly what you're taught not to do. We went and planted a church and left. Um, They had nothing at all. They had no, uh, no one to guide them. They only had a book. That's it. They only had a Bible. And um, by God's grace and by His Spirit, a church was established. Some of them moved to Chelyabinsk and another church was established in Chelyabinsk. Sometime later, some of them moved to Mias and another church was established in Mias. Now it's been 23 years. This was a different part of my life. Um... I cannot believe that young man in that picture right there. Some of y'all can't even tell that's me. Um, That young man is is very distracted. Um, But I'm standing underneath linen. (laughs) Okay. And some of y'all know what linen represents in that region. And the church began meeting in a place that used to be a headquarters. People that were very against religion began meeting in the very rooms. But this church began to spread, 
Um, and now, 23 years later, I got this letter from Veronica. They now live in Krasnodar. Krasnodar. Um, dear Jeff, I'm Veronica Arena. I said that with a complete Spanish pronunciation, by the way. <laughs> I know that. Uh, daughter of uh, Pavel Zernikov, my parents say hello to you. 23 years ago, your arrival changed my family's life. And today I've decided to have the audacity to write to you. Of course, I've grown up. In 23 years, things have changed a lot. But I still love the song you sang, Everywhere with Jesus, I'm safe. Everywhere in this world, he leads me. This is the anthem of my life. It's amazing. When I was eight years old, my family moved to Mias. The church was not formed immediately. In 1997, I was baptized. And in 2000, I married a Christian. In 2008, uh, in 2008, in 2014, we moved to Krasnodar. Her, father, her husband has serious health issues, and for, that's the reason they were brought to Krasnodar. Now we have a son growing up. His name is Simeon. He is two years old. In Krasnodar, there was no church. And so began to catch up with people and trying to find people bit by bit, and a church has been formed. There could be no gift more valuable than this. In 2014, my husband became very ill. The doctor said that in addition to the main treatment, we need to change the climate. That's what brought us here. Um, I look at my brothers and sisters in Christ and see great potential. It's not just that we, so different in age, character, and talent, but I understand that God has gathered us here for a purpose in Krasnodar. It's terrible to imagine what empty and fussy life I would live. Christ defines who I am now. Thank you that Christ has become part of me and I can live the spiritual life that I now live. There could be no gift more valuable than any of this. Um, I, this was in the middle of the night and I'm shaking Melinda, telling her to wake up and I'm losing my mind. I'm so excited about this. And the reason I wanted to share this story with you today, not just because personally you're my family and I want to share things with you um, that are very personal to me. Um, but I was thinking about the young man you saw in the picture, uh, you know, me, and my walk, how, how it began in Christ. Um, I still don't have very much knowledge of the Bible. I, I, I don't. But back then, I, I knew nothing except for telling people to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. That's what I knew. And a walk with God, something in your heart... It, that's really all I had. And I watched this girl with no missionary training, with nothing, churches that should never have survived. And they have survived and thrived and spread because of one thing. God counts the hairs on our head. The same hand that is firm in Luke 12 he changes context immediately and he says, you are so much more valuable than many sparrows. I will guard you, I will protect you, and by my spirit. As a church today, we are in a very different place than the church in Mias and the church that's meeting in Krasnodar. But we are going to face the exact same problem. And I pray that God would raise up gifted people in this body. And I thank God that I have the opportunity to stand before so many people in this room that are heroes to me. 
I believe strongly in organization. Um, I'm obsessed with it at home. I, I believe strongly in even being professional in the way we represent God. I believe that we need to study. I believe that we need to organize. I believe we need to put people in positions of giftedness. But if there's one thing we don't do as a church, we will fail completely. And that is to walk with God. To open our hearts before Him and to be led by His Spirit. Because if we don't do that, we are just a good, successful group of people that's part of a business. And I pray that God would teach his people today, me, and I pray you'll hold me accountable, that I would stand before the same God that is able to take a people, bring them together, and by his might establish them. He did it in the first century against impossible odds. He's doing it today throughout this world. And I pray that he will do it right here. And so at the end, 10 years from now, whatever happens in this body, in this church, in this community... We won't look back and say, wow, Jeff is a professional. You won't. But we will look back and we will say, God is good. He is powerful. And he takes the weakest vessels and he does powerful things to them. I want to ask a favor of you. (laughs) God has touched my heart through this, okay? I want to lift up the church in Krasnodar. I want to lift up um, Veronica, and I want to lift up Pavel and Ludmila this morning, and then I want to lift up this body. Let's pray. Um, God, I want to begin by thanking you for Ramona Pinnock and the amazing influence she has been on so many people and on my life. And I praise you for what you've done through the weakest vessels to plant something in, in Lebedovka and Chelyabinsk and Krasnodar and Mias. And I lift up the churches that are there, and I lift up this young woman, uh, Veronica. And I pray, God, that through her weakness, that in, in, in every, whatever you will do by your Spirit, that you will do something in the city of more than a million that will establish your name and establish who you are. And I pray, Father, for the same thing for the church here today, that you won't allow us to follow the path of the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, When we are clean on the outside, but on the inside, there's no dependence. There's no fear of you before our eyes. I pray, God, that we would stand before your presence and we would depend on your power. And I pray, God, that in that same power, in the lives and the hearts of people in this room that have sin that is just weighing them down, all of us, God, and and stuff that's inside of us, God, that the key to unlocking it, the key to freeing ourselves, I know must be fearing you in a healthy way. Um, I love you, Father, so much for the joy that you have poured into my life this week. And I, I pray, Father, that that joy would just be manifest here in what's happening in lives in this room and in this city as well. In the name of Christ, we come before you. Amen. Let's stand and worship our God.